Welcome to Making Footprints, Not Blueprints, a regular podcast about matters philosophical and religious. My name is Andrew James Brown, and despite being myself an atheistically inclined free thinker, I'm also the minister to the Unitarian Church in the city of Cambridge, UK. The title of this podcast is borrowed from the philosopher Herbert Fingeret, who, in his book, The Self in Transformation, offered us studies that were outcomes rather than realised objectives, which were offered to the reader as an encouragement to make intellectual footprints, not blueprints. This podcast tries to proceed in a similar fashion and takes seriously an insight of the poet A.R. Ammons, who felt that true human freedom only comes when we have understood that full scope always eludes our grasp, that there is no finality of vision, that we have perceived nothing completely, and that, therefore, and thankfully, tomorrow a new walk is a new walk. Welcome to this week's New Walk. Overcoming Christianity by Incorporation and Verwindung. For many years now, one of the central theological and philosophical questions I've been trying to address, and perhaps answer in the context of both liberal religion and wider liberal civic society, is how one might best overcome and move beyond many of the problematic supernaturalistic theological ideas which still attach themselves to our culture's inherited underlying religious tradition, namely Christianity. Ideas which, often in hidden and obscure ways, continue to influence our European and North American culture's worst, but also very best, ways of being in the world. This question is more pressing than it has been for a long time, because in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, all of us, in nearly all areas of life, are being forced to think very hard about how we might best overcome and move on from our past ways of doing things. In connection with this, I'd like to start today by noting that the liberal religious free-thinking Unitarian tradition in which I work as a minister continues, in the UK anyway, mostly to be made up of people who've been shaped by the majority Christian culture, but who are nevertheless trying to move on, leaving properly behind what cannot be retained. It's important to realise that this was as true at the movement's birth in 16th century Poland and Hungary as it is today. Indeed, it's worth reminding ourselves at this point that a key 18th century British Unitarian minister and scientist, Joseph Priestley, writing in a sermon of the 1770s, said, quote, But should free inquiry lead to the destruction of Christianity itself, it ought not, on that account, to be discontinued. For we can only wish for the prevalence of Christianity on the supposition of its being true, and if it fall before the influence of free inquiry, it can only do so in consequence of its not being true. 
Although I'm sure Priestley himself would have been deeply disturbed to discover that, thanks to free inquiry, many Christian claims about the nature of the world and our place in it have indeed turned out not to be true, I trust that he would still willingly acknowledge that we, the modern beneficiaries of free inquiry, have no choice but to take him at his word and continue to move on beyond his and indeed our own former beliefs. One popular way of attempting this moving on has been to try to bring about an immediate, wholesale, revolutionary replacement of the old problematic ideas with a complete set of new ones, and in so doing effectively setting up a new orthodoxy that fits more or less snugly in the footprint of the old. One of the most famous examples of this approach occurred after the French Revolution of 1789, when an attempt was made to replace Christianity and all understandings of God, firstly with the cult of reason, and then the cult of the Supreme Being. Drawing on Heidegger's terminology, the contemporary Italian philosopher Gianni Vattimo calls this hard and forcible way of overcoming an example of Überwindung. But as history reveals, Überwindung never really properly overcomes and moves us on, because by stamping down forcibly into the footprint of the old, it always leaves in play all kinds of irreducible remainders, outlines and shadows of the old orthodoxies, whether in the shape of unresolved questions or in the ghosts of ideas which continue to haunt, taunt and threaten to overturn or undermine the new orthodoxy. In revolutionary France, the speedy collapse of the cults of reason and the supreme being and the subsequent return of Roman Catholicism, a belief in God within popular culture, reveals this well. The most recent large-scale example of this was seen following the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1989. This was a society which had forcibly attempted to overcome all ideas about God, the divine and the sacred by putting in place, even more vigorously than was attempted in the French Revolution, a new secular orthodoxy. It's worth recalling that before the fall of the Soviet Union, the dissident writer Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote that, quote, Militant atheism is not merely incidental or marginal to communist policy. It is not a side effect, but the central pivot. Unquote. But in the end, the Soviet Union's attempt at moving beyond Christianity by employing the methods of Überwindung failed properly to overcome God and religion, just as the French revolutionaries had failed before them. And today, the Russian Orthodox Church is once again an extremely powerful and highly influential social and political force in Putin's post-communist and far from liberal, free-thinking or democratic Russia. As one recent commentator on the return of religion to the public sphere, Peter Thompson notes, quote, What all of these things show is that religion, as both debate and way of life, has not crumbled in the face of an apparently inexorable, rationalist, scientific, modernising enlightenment and the globalisation of the market economy, but retains a potency and strength which remains far in excess of its ability to explain. Unquote. 
Thompson's. And my own basic point here is that when it comes to God and religion, divine and the sacred, forcible overcoming, Überwindung, simply hasn't worked. In the end, it has proved to be an approach which simply creates as many problems and stresses and strains as it claims to have solved. Anyway, surely there must be a better way of proceeding, of truly becoming ourselves a mostly Christian-derived culture that really has been able to move on into a post-Christendom and more religiously plural and open way of being in the world. This is why I follow Gianni Vattimo in preferring to seek out ways to overcome many of Christianity's problematic supernatural beliefs and practices that proceed not by Überwindung, but by Verwindung. Verwindung literally means twisting, as in the twisting of overlapping fibres to produce a rope. But in the context of philosophy and religion, it has the sense of going beyond or winding out the old ideas in ways that allow them to be creatively transformed and incorporated or woven into new ways of thinking and new directions of exploration and travel. As Heidegger memorably insisted, here overcoming is worthy only when we think about incorporation. Fatimo called this whole approach il pensiero debole, weak thought. However, the term weak thought can sound very unattractive and off-putting to many people, especially to those enamoured of and tempted by the language of strength that practitioners of Überwindung love to use. But in the sense that counts for us, it's important to be clear that the weakness of weak thought is its very strength. Water is the obvious analogy here, as the ancient author of the Tao Te Ching knew well. Quote, Nothing in the world is soft and weak as water, but when attacking the hard and strong, nothing can conquer so easily. Weak overcomes strong, soft overcomes hard. Unquote. Although this idea has always been marginal in the Christian tradition, it is important to remember that it is not entirely alien to it, as St Paul memorably, if elusively, suggests in 1 Corinthians, when he wrote that God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. All the foregoing serves, I hope, to indicate why I advocate keeping in liberal religion and liberal religious language a great deal that we might be tempted to overcome in a strong way. It seems to me to be almost self-evidently true that any attempt at the strong overcoming or replacement of problematic practices and supernaturalist ideas simply will not work. It's a process that will leave in play too many shadows and ghosts, which eventually will come back to haunt and harm us. So instead, I continually try to encourage the practice of employing weak thought, il pensiero debole, to affect this overcoming of Christianity by verwindung, that is to say, to promote a transformative incorporating rather than destructive way of going beyond Christianity. As I see it, 
The religious and civic project I'm trying to promote in my own work is one centred on a shared free conversation that is designed to help us unwind our culture's old, mostly Christian ideas and stories about God, the divine and the sacred in ways that gift us new interpretations of what is meant by these terms and to do it in a fashion which at the same time doesn't contradict the knowledge and understanding gained in other spheres of our life especially, but not exclusively, in the human and natural sciences. We need to do this because, as Peter Thompson's words quoted earlier remind us, experience has taught us that it is highly unlikely human religion and God talk is ever going to be entirely got rid of. Religion, and words associated with it, such as God, the divine and the sacred, will never be reduced without remainder. For they remain simply too rich, too multifaceted, too plural in their expressions to allow for such a reduction. If you feel that this is the case, and of course I accept that you might not, there seems to me to be a real need to create the kinds of public, civic, religious and philosophical spaces in which people have the opportunity genuinely and freely to ask and make attempts at answering the same kind of question James Heisig thought the 20th century Japanese philosopher Tanabe Hajime was forced to ask throughout his life, namely, quote, How can I, who feel no need to believe in an otherworldly divine being, recover the impulse to such an idea and describe it? to my own satisfaction, in a language that preserves the truth of that impulse without having to compromise my own philosophical impulses. Unquote. Today, more than ever, we badly need places where we can freely explore together what other kinds of stories do indeed help us move on and live different and better lives which remain true to the truth of our impulse to talk about God, the divine and the sacred, but which do not require us to compromise our own philosophical impulses that push against belief in any such supernatural things, realms or beings. As many of you will know, my own twisting, verwindung-like lines of free inquiry suggest to me that the community to which I belong might creatively and compassionately become made up of Christians who have moved on by better articulating and then living out some form of ecstatic or religious naturalism. I explored with you something of this position in episode 17 of this podcast. You may well, of course, have your own alternative preferred twisting lines of free inquiry that will share and echo some of my own lines of inquiry but run in different directions to others. But that's fine because our twisting conversations had together about these connections and differences are in themselves, at their best anyway, going to be examples of verwindung and weak thought underway, and will, in modest ways, I think, play their part in moving us on beyond Christianity. Consequently, I wish to conclude today simply by expressing my hope that the gentle call to engage in the practice of verwindung is heard and heeded, not only in my own local church community's conversations about God, the divine and the sacred, 
but also in our wider, public, civic contexts. And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Making Footprints, Not Blueprints podcast. So, farewell for now, and remember, tomorrow a new walk is a new walk. See you on the path. Thank you again for listening to the Making Footprints, Not Blueprints podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and each new podcast will be delivered to your device as soon as it is released. Also, if you'd like to join the conversation, please feel free to comment on the blog or come along to the occasional live online discussions which take place on Wednesday evenings at 7.30pm GMT. Anyone is invited to ask questions and make comments on the issues discussed in the podcast. You can find all the necessary links in the episode notes. We look forward to talking with you then.